everybody, and welcome to The Snap, a Marvel Cinematic Universe recap podcast where we're going to be talking about all 21 Marvel movies leading up to Avengers Endgame. I'm your host, Kayla Jouette, and we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy today, which I'm very excited for because this is one of my favorite Marvel films. And yeah, uh, here to talk to me about it is Andrew Cogswell. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Kayla? I'm tired, but it's fine. It's fine. Because this is such a a good movie. So I can yeah. talk about it and be fine about being tired. So it gives you energy. It does give me energy. So <laughs> tell me, tell me who you are. What do you do? Uh, I'm Andrew. Um, you might know me from the internet. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I do video and stream production for your geeky gal pal. Um, so I work for Caitlin or with Caitlin to produce streams, and we're working on starting video content regularly over there which is really exciting um and then i do video editing and event production as like my real big boy job big so, boy job yeah so pretty cool i love comics i love the mcu and i love video games so we're checking two out of those three boxes today we are which is great so yeah thanks for coming out here to talk about Guardians of the galaxy because oh, this is such a me. fun film Oh my goodness, you're right. I can just pop this movie on just whenever and mm. have so much fun. Oh yeah, it's it's perfect background noise, but also like actively watching. It's it it's both at the same time. It's great. I don't think I ever get tired of the humor either. Like when I was mm. wa- watching it for the recap, I was just like, I would have to like stop and like laugh for a second because I was like, oh, this is so stupid, but it's so fun. Like the characters oh. are amazing and yeah. so well done, and. I don't get tired of them joking until Guardians of the Galaxy 2. That's when I get tired of the jokes. Yeah, we, we talked about that <laughs> briefly this past weekend. Yeah, but, you know, we'll we'll get to that when I get to that episode. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, great film. I'm going to recap it. If you're new to Don't the work. show, uh, we do a short little recap around 10 minutes. Uh, this one is a pretty hefty movie, a lot going on, so it might be... A little bit over 10 minutes, which is fine. We're going to talk about it after. I feel like it's justified because it's like it's kind of an ensemble film. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. A lot of dialogue, which yeah, something that's not going to be seen as much through the recap is how good the chemistry between everyone is. Because, you know, I'm going to be talking about the dialogue and mentioning a few quips and all, but it's it's just so much better when you see it on screen and get to see everybody like interacting. So uh-huh so yeah um so we're gonna recap it we're gonna talk about it after we are gonna rate the film and at the end we're gonna be talking about some endgame spoilers which is gonna be my favorite part of the mm-hmm. podcast so so yeah are you ready to get into this i've been looking forward to this all day i'm so ready <laughs> all right well let's get it started so here is the recap for guardians of the galaxy So we're on Earth, and it's 1988. We see a young boy named Peter, who's in the hospital, listening to his record player. They tell him to come in and to see his mom, who is in the hospital bed, sick. She says that he's just like his father, and his father was an angel, and she gives him a present. She tells him that his grandpa's going to take care of him, at least until his father comes back. She asks him to take her hand. He doesn't do it, and she dies. So he runs out of the hospital to, like, cry, and an alien spaceship hovers over him and abducts him. 26 years later, he's exploring the abandoned planet of Morag. Uh, He's using some holographic technology to see the civilization that used to live here, which leads him to this hidden area that looks almost like a a tomb and like Tomb Raider. Um, He hits his record player and come and get your love. 
comes on and the entire song, he dances around to this cave, searching around until he finds the doorway that leads him to this purple glowing Pokeball looking orb. <laughs> um, as he's going to grab it, a bunch of other space dudes roll up on him and tell him to drop it. And they're like, how do you know about this? And he's like, hey, I'm just a junker. I don't know what it is. And he's like, I'm Peter, but you may know me by Star-Lord. And the guy's like, who? And then the fight breaks out. Uh, he uses a bunch of cool gadgets to escape and take out some guys. He gets on his ship and he flies out. He receives a call from a guy named Yandu, who calls him out on ignoring all of his calls and taking what was his. And Yandu says, we're ravagers. We stick together. And Peter's like, nah, we steal things. So he tells Peter that when he picked him up from Terra, which is Earth, so you might hear Terra a lot, um, so that just means Earth, um, his crew wanted to eat him, but he saved his life. So Peter hangs up. We see Yondu and his crew. They're going to board their ship, and his mem- one of his members calls him out for being soft on Peter, and he threatens him, and he's like, he's going after Peter himself so he can kill him. Uh, but right now, they have to worry about who else wants the orb. So he pans this huge galactic ship. Inside is Ronan, who is a zealot, who believes in the ancient Kree law of his people. He has someone from Xandar in shackles, and the man says that you will not rule Xandar. And Ronan says, no, I will cure it. And he kills the man with his big staff. Uh, we meet Nebula and Gamora, who call each other the daughters of Thanos. Ronan wants to send Nebula, the blue robot-looking daughter, to the planet Xandar to retrieve the orb for Thanos. Uh, he says once he does this, Thanos is going to destroy Xandar for him. Gamora, the green daughter, challenges Nebula and is saying that uh, she's never failed and she wants to go in and do it. So Ronan sends Gamora instead. On the planet of Xandar, we meet Rocket Raccoon, who is making fun of all the losers on Xandar. We see a, a Stan Lee cameo here as he's talking to this younger woman, and Rocket's like, look at this guy. Where's your wife, old man? And he starts laughing. He starts looking for somebody on the planet that he could take a bounty on, and he finds Peter, who is wanted for 40,000 units. Rocket is talking to this big giant tree named Groot. So Peter is going to give this orb to the broker, who him and Yandu had a deal with, and Peter asks the man what's inside the the orb and he doesn't tell him so peter's like well i should know because i went through hell trying to get it and i ran into some guys fighting for a guy named ronan and then the broker hears this and he kicks peter out because he wants no business if ronan is involved so peter's pissed about not getting paid and gamora is waiting outside for him and she says he seems like a man with integrity tries to talk to him for a little bit and then she kicks him steals the orb and runs off so Peter runs after her. They start this big fight. Uh, Peter is using his gadgets. Gamora is being all fast and swift and assassin-like. And in the middle of their fight, Rocket and Groot show up to try and trap Peter for the bounty. So now all four of them are fighting. Uh, Groot is using his tree limbs to grow and trap people. Rocket has these big guns. Peter takes out Gamora and runs off, but Rocket shoots Peter down. And like right before he can celebrate, the Nova security rolls up on them and arrests all four of them. At the Nova headquarters, we see the Nova Nova president, I think. It's just the, the Nova leader. Uh, he's Nova talking Prime. Nova yeah. Prime, that's right. So we see the Nova Prime uh, talking to a Cree leader and says that he needs to condemn Ronan's actions uh, because they have a peace treaty. And the Cree leader is like, I don't want to hear about this. And he bounces out. Her people tell her they have acquired one of Ronan's people. And then we flash to the Nova jail with Gamora. Uh, she's a genetically modified assassin and adopted daughter of the mad titan Thanos. Her sister and her are working with Ronin, which leads them to believe that Ronin and Thanos are working together. Then we see Rocket, who is made in illegal experiments on lower life forms, uh, Groot, who is a humanoid plant, and Peter Quill from Earth, 
raised from youth by ravagers. What a bunch of a-holes. All four of them are walking into the prison uh, to their cells, and Rocket says that this place is corrupt. He's broken out of 22 prisons before this, and this is no different. So Peter asks Gamora what the orb is, and she's like, I'm not talking to a thief. And Rocket calls her out for being a genocidal maniac and says him and everyone else in this place knows exactly who she is and what she's done. She says she wasn't retrieving the orb for Ronan. She was going to betray him and her father and sell it to a third party. As they walk through, uh, Peter sees this guard listening to his record. So he starts the scene about how Hooked on a Feeling is his song. And they tase him. The song starts playing. Um, So they're getting settled in and they make their way to this lounge area of the prison. And everyone is screaming and throwing things at Gamora. Her and Ronan have taken out many of their families and she's not going to last a day. That night, they take her out and they go to kill her, the prison people, and uh, Peter and Rocket follow behind. We meet this large blue man who approaches the crowd who are trying to kill Gamora, and he's like, nah, that's my kill. We find out he is Drax the Destroyer, and he's given that name because he's taken out all of Ronan's people that he has gotten his hands on. Ronan killed his wife and his daughter, and Gamora tells him that she's not with Ronan and she's his one source to get revenge. He still goes to kill her, and Peter steps in and says that she betrayed Ronan, so he's on his way here to come after her. So keep her alive, and you'll get Ronan to yourself. So Drax steps away from Gamora, and the three of them talk about the orb. Gamora says that her buyer was willing to pay four million units for it, and it's her one escape from Thanos. And she's willing to split it three ways. And then Groot comes out and says, I'm Groot. So split it four ways with everybody if they team up, and Rocket helps them escape. Back to Ronan, uh, the Chitari leader from the Avengers that we've seen before, he calls on him to come before Thanos because Gamora has betrayed him. So him and Nebula do so, and he gets in an argument with the leader and snaps his neck. Thanos turns around and says his politics bore him. He alienated his favorite daughter, Gamora, and if he doesn't retrieve the orb, he will bathe the galaxy in his blood. So back at the prison, uh, they plan their escape. Rocket says he needs an armband from the guards, a prisoner's prosthetic leg, and a battery that's plugged up on top. But they have to get that last, very specific. And as soon as he says this, Groot pulls the battery out and triggers this whole alarm system to go off. So now they have to improvise and hurry up. So a fight breaks out in the prison with the the guards, and everybody goes off to get what they need to get. Uh, Drax sees a bunch of the guards shooting at Rocket and Groot and decides to jump in with the group. So he takes them all out. He throws Rocket one of their guns. Uh, We see Gamora kicking ass she throws rocket the armband that she stole and he starts to get to work they team up inside the watchtower peter shows up hands him the prosthetic leg and rocket's like did you really just get that like i was just joking so then drax is there and gamora's like why why is he here and peter's like i promised that he could come with us so he can kill ronan and this scene is funny peter calls drax a walking thesaurus and drax says don't ever call me that again And Peter's like, it's just a metaphor, chill out. And Rocket's like, his people are completely literal, so all metaphors go right over their heads. And Drax is like, nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. Rocket uses the tools he got uh, inside the watchtower, and he reverses the false gravity. All the enemies are floating in the air except for them, so they escape. On the ship, Rocket starts making bombs, and Gamora and Drax are arguing, arguing, and they're trying to kill each other. Uh, Peter breaks it up. He gets everybody to chill out. We see Ronan and Nebula show up to the prison. Uh, they're trying to ask all the guards where all the other people went, and nobody can tell them. So Ronan tells Nebula to cleanse the prison so the Nova Corps don't find out what they're after. We then see Yondu, 
uh, talking to the broker on Xandar and intimidating him to tell him where the orb is and what is it and who wants to buy it. The crew goes to meet with Gamora's buyer on Nowhere, which is a celestial being skull floating in the galaxy. There are no rules here, and it started as this planet of outlaws forging rare goods. So they roll in, but they have to wait for the buyer's representative to come forward. So in the meantime, they go gamble and play games, and Peter and Gamora step outside to talk. Peter asks her about her father, and she says Thanos is not her father. He killed her parents in front of her and took her and tortured her to become an assassin. When he decided to wipe out an entire planet for Ronin, she decided she wouldn't help them anymore. Peter shows her his tape player and lets her listen to the music. They get really close, and they almost kiss, but then she puts a knife to his throat and says she won't fall for his pelvic sorcery. So they look over, and they see the others fighting, and they go to check it out. Rocket is pissed off at Drax for calling him vermin. Uh, He's drunk, and Peter convinces him to wait until after they get paid before they do anything stupid. Drax walks off in this rage, and they're like, all right, to hell with this dude. They go in to meet the Collector, who has the largest collection of things and beings in the entire galaxy. Uh, Meanwhile, we see Drax walking around outside, and he finds this, like, telecommunication tent. And he walks in, and he puts a knife to the guy's throat, and he's like, I need you to send a message for me. The Collector is telling them about the orb. Before creation, there were six singularities. When the universe exploded into existence, the remnants of these systems were forged into six stones, the Infinity Stones. The only ones who can hold the stones are beings of extraordinary strength. Once a group was able to hold the energy between themselves, but even they were destroyed by it. He goes to get the money to pay them, and his assistant goes to grab the stone, and she's like, I'll no longer be your slave. And she grabs the stone, and the power flows through her, uh, and then she's destroyed, and the entire place blows up. So Gamora puts the stone back into the orb and runs with the crew and says, they're like, they can't believe they've been holding this the entire time. Rocket's like, all right, let's just give it to Ronan. And Gamora's like, no, we're giving it to the Nova. And Peter's like, we should just give it to somebody who's not going to arrest us and somebody who will pay us for it. So Gamora's like, you're despicable. She goes to walk away and the entire fleet of Ronan's ships appear before them. So Drax called them and he's ready to kill Ronan. Meanwhile, Yondu also appears on Nowhere and he's going after Star-Lord. So Gamora finds these mini ships and she gets in one to escape with the orb. And Nebula sees her and goes after her. Drax goes to fight Ronan, but Ronan is way too strong for him, and he tells him that he doesn't remember killing his family, but he doubt he'll remember killing him, and he throws Drax into this yellow vat and then leaves. And we see Gamora, she can't get away from Nebula, and she takes the ships outside, but they're not meant to be outside. Uh, Nebula follows her out, blasts her ship, and Gamora and the orb float into space, and Ronan and Nebula get the stone. Rocket says that she's going to die soon. If they don't leave, um, they're going to die too. And Peter calls Yondu and he's like, I'm here. Come and get me. Uh, he takes his space helmet, flies out to her, puts it on her, even if that means he might die. And Yondu shows up just in time and takes them both onto their ship. So they roll onto the ship and she asks him what happened. And he says that he saw something incredibly heroic in himself. And she rolls her eyes at him. And she's like, where's the orb? And he's like, uh, they got it. So we see Drax laying on the ground, and Groot helps get all the liquid from the um, vat out of him. And Rocket lands, and he's like, yelling at Drax for trying to take on Ronan's army by himself. And Drax says, he was a fool. He let his anger and rage take over to cover his loss. Rocket says, oh, boo-hoo, my wife and child are dead. And Groot gasps. And he's like, everybody's got dead people, and it's no excuse to get everyone else killed. 
He tells Groot to hurry up so they can get out of there and try to live the life that they have before Ronan just blows everyone up. And Groot says, I am Groot. And Rocket says, save them. How are we going to save them if it's just the two of us? And Drax steps in and says, it's the three of us. We see Ronan talking to Thanos about the orb. He says, He's not bringing him the orb because now he can destroy Xandar by himself and he has no use for Thanos. He grabs the orb, the powers run through him, and he puts it into his staff and he says he's going to destroy Xandar and come for him next. And Nebula says if he's going to kill her father, she's going to help him destroy a thousand planets for what her father has done to her. We see Yondu beating up Peter and Gamora tells him that Ronan has an infinity stone and they have to stop them before he destroys an entire planet. Yandu says he's turned soft and he's going to kill him. And Peter says, if you kill me, uh, you're saying goodbye to the greatest score that you've ever seen. Uh, they know that Ronan is vulnerable and they know everything about his ship. So Yandu ponders and then he's like, all right, let's him free. He acts like they're the best buds. Uh, and the rocket shows up outside of the ship in their own ship. And he's like, I'm going to blow y'all up in five seconds if you don't release Quill. And Peter's like, chill. We're here. We figured it out. So now everybody's on the ship. And Rocket is not thrilled about their plan to rob Ronan. Peter's like, I do have a plan, but nobody believes that he has a plan. He says he has 12% of a plan, but that's barely a concept. So he says he looks around at them and he sees losers, people who have lost stuff. Uh, now they have a chance to give a shit for once and not run away and not stand aside and watch Ronan kill thousands. Gamora says she's lived most of her life surrounded by enemies and will be grateful to die among friends. And Drax stands with them to see his wife and daughter again in the end. Groot says, I am Groot. And Rocket looks at them and sighs and says, he doesn't have that long of a lifespan anyway. So they're all standing up now, a bunch of jackasses just standing in a circle. They set up a plan to infiltrate Ronan's ship and take out his army. And we have Cherry Bomb playing in the background. It's cool. They all suit up. Uh, Yondu approaches Peter and says, remember, at the end of this, I get the stone. And if you cross me, I'm going to kill you all. So we pan to Xandar, where they get this message from Peter and John C. Riley. By the way, it's him. He's he's the Nova officer, and he says that Peter said that Ronan has an Infinity Zone and is headed for Xandar, and they should believe him because he just escaped prison and has no other reason to head back. Uh, he says he's an a-hole, but not one hundred percent a dick. The Ravager fleet approaches Ronan's ship, and they start firing to take down the shield. Ronan releases all of his ships as well, and there's this like huge aerial fight. Uh, Yandu gets hit and he goes down and he reminds Peter about their deal. So the Nova Corps jump in to help them and tell Peter that they got his message and he better prove them wrong about him. The crew, besides Rocket, uh, make their way into the facility because Rocket is, uh, leaving, like he's in the back with the rest of the guys, um, in the aerial ships. Um, they walk into this dark room and Groot grows a bunch of these glowing petals into the air and it's really magical and Groot is just an amazing character. So Yondu's on the ground, and he's being approached by some of Ronan's men who tell him to call off his fleet and to turn on the Nova Corps. He takes his little whistle weapon and kills all the people surrounding him in 30 seconds. Nebula appears in front of the crew and starts talking shit on Gamora, and Drax blasts her in the face with a rocket. Nebula gets up and forms her, like, robotic self back to normal and attacks Gamora, who is now alone, trying to shut Ronan's security down. We see, like, ship debris and stuff falling down into the city, but Rocket is saving people from all the damage. A fight breaks out inside with the other three in Ronan's men. It's a little jumping back and forth right here. Uh, Ronan uses the Infinity Stone to break through the Nova Corps shield and to take out all of their fleet. And Rocket calls into Peter and says, 
The city's evacuated, but they're getting their ass kicked, and Peter's like, I'm just waiting for Gamora to open the door. Gamora hits Nebula and knocks her off the ship, and she's hanging by one hand, and Gamora's like, come with me, let's do this together, and she's like, nah, y'all are both crazy. She cuts it off and jumps down. Gamora opens the door to Ronan, they barge in on him, Peter gets his rocket, and they blast him. The rocket hits Ronan, and it's basically just, like, absorbed into the stone. Uh, so Ronan goes to attack them, and Rocket runs his ship right into Ronan and the crew. We see Ronan's large galactic ship start to go down, and the crew is still inside, falling with it. Uh, Groot uses his growing roots to build this, like, tree cocoon around everybody to protect them from the fall. Uh, Rocket tells Groot to stop, and that he's gonna die if he does this, and he starts to cry, and Groot says, we are Groot, and they crash into the evacuated city. In the wreckage, we hear Uchild playing, and the crew is trying to get back up while the city people are all, like, coming back around them. Rocket is collecting Groot's branches, and we see Ronan step out of the ship unharmed, and he speaks to the city people directly, and he says, Behold are their guardians of the galaxy. And we see the crew just, like, defeated, trying to get up. And he says, The time has come to renounce their gods, and he's going to cleanse them. But before he could slam his staff down, we see Star-Lord, and he starts dancing and singing to Uchild in front of him. And he's like, I'm challenging you to a dance-off. And he's it's really weird and obnoxious. And uh, Ronan's like, what are you doing? And he says, distracting you. And Rocket shoots again at him, directly at his staff, which busts open, revealing the uh, Infinity Stone by itself. So Peter grabs it with his bare hand before Ronan does, and the power flows through him. And you can see that he's in pain, um, but he's able to hold it for a while. And Gamora screams at him and says, take my hand. And he flashes back to his mom in the beginning saying to take her hand. So he grabs it and he shares the power with Gamora. And then Drax puts his hand on Peter's shoulder and then Rocket grabs Drax's finger. So the power is flowing through all of them and is stable. And Ronan's like, you're mortal. How? And Peter says, you said it yourself, bitch. We're the guardians of the galaxy. And they use the stone to destroy Ronan, and then they clasp it back into its orb. Yandu shows up right after this and tells Peter to hand over the orb. It was their deal. Uh, Peter puts it behind his back for a second, and he's like, you should reconsider this. The Nova Corps is the safest place for the orb. And Yandu's like, hand it over. So Peter hands him the orb, tells him, do not open this, because you know what it does to people. You know, it's too dangerous. And Yandu just gets on the ship, and then... His right-hand man, who I forget his name, um, says to him, you know, it's a good thing that they didn't deliver Peter to his dad like they were supposed to. So Peter tells Gamora that he switched out the orb, so it's all good. Uh, back at the Nova Corps, they tell Peter that they scanned him when they arrested him, and he's not full Terran, um, and that's why he could hold the orb. His mom is from Earth, but his dad is something very ancient they have never seen here. The Nova Corps expresses their gratitude for them uh, for saving Xandar, and Gamora says to Drax that his wife and child will rest well knowing that he avenged them. But he says Ronan was only the start and he has to kill Thanos now. So John C. Riley tells them that he erased their criminal records and gives them their salvage ship back. On the ship, Peter finally opens up the present that his mom gave him uh, before she died. And it's Awesome Mix Volume 2. So he pops it in and Ain't No Mountain High Enough starts playing. And we see Yondu open the orb to discover a troll doll inside. And he just smiles. Uh, Rocket planted Groot's branch into this pot, so right before they leave, you see this little branch sprout into this cute little baby Groot. They decide to follow Star-Lord's lead in the ship to do a little bit of good and bad. While the movie ends, I Want You Back starts playing, and we see baby Groot dancing to it. It's a really cute scene. He's trying to stay still, 
every time Drax looks at him and the end credit scene, probably my least end credit scene, my least favorite end credit scene is uh, back at the collector's place. We see the collector and he's recovering from the power stone blast and he pans into Howard the Duck drinking a martini and and that's that's it. So, so that's Andrew, that's all she wrote. What do you think about it? Yep. Um, I love Guardians of the Galaxy and so like when you were asking people to come on this, like, well, you asked me, like, oh, well, which one do you want to do? And immediately, you told me which ones were gone, or, like, already chosen. I was like, that's fine. I'm taking Guardians. <laughs> like, this is the one I wanted. Um, because I I adore Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I think it works well, both in the context of the MCU and as a standalone movie. For sure. Um, and it's a space opera, which I'm all about. <laughs> um, and it it's the least superhero of all the MCU movies. Oh, yeah. There's a scene uh, where they've all suited up, and they're like, it's the first time, like, the 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 whole thing, I called them the crew, because I wanted to wait for that scene where he calls them the Guardians of the Galaxy, but, like, you could see the Guardians yeah. walking through the ship going, going to fight him, and it's not that, mm. like, classic hero scene where everybody looks really cool and ready to go, mm. and they're, like, yawning and doing like they look nervous <laughs> yeah they're just like uh yeah. like they look awkward like, and it's great exactly and like one thing i really want to touch on well when we talk about this movie is just how stylized it is oh um, yes i think that guardians is up there with um my brain is just like melting right now that's fine with, uh end game or not end game uh infinity war as i think they're, the only people that could have done those movies are the people that did them. Um, James Gunn is the only one that could have done Guardians and done it as well as it was. As like, knowing, I don't think anybody could have done it better. Is yeah, what I'm saying um, James Gunn has a very specific style um, with his movies and with both and with his writing. And Nicole Perlman uh, helped with writing Guardians, but you can tell that it was mostly headed up by James. Um, and so yeah, the writing is just very, very him, and it works for this group of just outlaws, renegades, mm -hmm. weirdos, and he writes them so incredibly well. And then he actually he directed the movie too, and just visually, there's there's three scenes in particular that are just so iconic and like tied to that movie for me. Um, the first one being the opening cave scene, where. Um, we first see adult Star-Lord, and he's dancing through the cave. I think that and scene, like, sets us up for how stylized the movie is. Oh, 100%. Like, right when he presses play, and then you see Guardians of the Galaxy pop up, and he starts dancing, yep. and I'm just like, oh, this is such a good... Like, I remember seeing it in theaters and being like, oh, fuck, this is gonna be good. Yeah. No, and I was the same way, and I remember I was in college when this came out, and I was really excited about it, and I, uh, some of my friends that I was working with at the time they're like, oh, like, it looks cool. We'll go with you to kind of humor you, I feel like. And we all went. And as soon as that popped up, I was like, I made a good choice. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to feel bad about making them come to this. And they all loved it. Yeah, I went with and, all of like, my friends who, um, you know, I had a group of friends who were into some Marvel stuff. Like, I think they watched the Avengers, but they didn't watch, like, the solo films. So yeah. I don't know if they thought if they knew what they were getting into, but this was such a good, like, movie that anybody could watch it and bring them into Marvel movies because of how fun it was. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. It, it's definitely the most... I think it's the most accessible of the Marvel movies as long as you like sci-fi. Um, if you absolutely hate sci-fi, I know some people do, 
it's just not going to work for you. But if you've never seen a Marvel movie and you like sci-fi, I think it's a really good entry point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, the opening cave scene is one of my favorites. Uh, Quill's sacrifice uh, to go save, try to save Gamora is so beautifully shot. It's a great scene. Uh, and like the ice crystallizing on his face is incredible. Um, and the last one is Groot's petals. Uh, you mentioned it in your recap uh, pretty specifically. Mm-hmm. But when he makes those little petals... It's a very tranquil moment before you know shit's about to hit the fan. And it's a nice little breathing moment. And Everything it's beautifully shot. about Adult Groot, I miss him so much. Like, I loved oh, when I, I rewatched this film, I was just like, not only is he like funny in the sense that it's just his one I am Groot line. He's badass. We see all his like fighting scenes are cool, but like he has all these sweet moments like when they arrive to nowhere and they have those like children running around trying to like beg for money. And he just like makes this little flower come out of his hand and hands it to her Mm -hmm. and like makes her smile. And then that scene with the like glowing petals and then he protects his friends with the cocoon like such like those just make my heart melt. Like, oh, I love I love adult Groot so much. No, I everybody loves baby Groot. Um. I know a lot of, I don't know anybody who really loves Teenage Groot from Yeah, he was kind of Infinity a drag. War. Yeah, he kind of sucked. I have a lot of strong feelings <laughs> about Groot in Infinity War. Um, but I know people really love Baby Groot. And I feel like a lot of that's for the cute factor, but Baby Groot's kind of a little of a little shithead. Oh yeah. Um, adult Groot is my favorite. Um, because he's like there's the scene on Xandar where he's drinking out of the fountain and Rocket's like, "Dude, stop it. That's gross." And he's like, "Oh, <laughs> okay." And then, like, Rocket starts talking and turns back, and he immediately starts going back to the fountain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think adult Groot really captures the the childlike uh, qualities that all the other Groots have, but he's also, he's just he's just being himself. Yeah. He's not doing it, you know, and he, he has that fierceness to him when he fights. Um, there's that scene where him and Rocket spin around on the kiln with the gun, and he's just screaming. And, yeah, I, I love Groot. And I think, yeah, I think he's the best represented in this movie. I love Groot. He's the best. He um, is. But there's also, like, I think there's a lot of characterization in all the characters. And I think that's, for being an ensemble film where all these characters are introduced for the first time, I think the writing really nails personal, or making these characters matter and feel important and give them context and history. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just small little moments. Like, when you see Rocket in the kiln being processed and you see all like the cybernetics on his back mm-hmm. nothing's said but it's shown and then yeah, later on exactly and later on when they're on nowhere and they get into a fight and rocket's drunk he's like i didn't ask to be made i didn't ask to be like this mm-hmm. and you can tell that rocket has a lot of baggage just from those two little lines and it really def- it, it contextualizes everything he does and who he is as a character in just those two lines and it gives context to those cybernetics at the beginning. So, like, Rocket's entire character can be summed up in just those two parts, and that's incredibly good writing. Drax's, I feel like, is pretty straightforward. He's revenge. That's kind of his thing. Um, his revenge, his, his sense of humor. Which, yeah. again, I, I, love, I thought Drax was so funny in this film. Mm-hmm. I think they played a little bit too much on that in the second film, and it pissed me off, but... I think they... I agree with you. I think they did on Guardians 2 a little too much, but I think they pulled back just enough in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. That it was good. I think he was back in a sweet spot. Yeah, um, same. Agree. Um, Gamora doesn't really get a lot of context in this movie as much as she gets in two, and then especially Endgame or uh, Infinity War. 
Yeah, I think I feel uh, her her main. I mean, we get the backstory, we get the the idea, yeah. but the main the 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 movie that made me feel for her the most was like Infinity War, which I'm not going to spoil anything no. that happens. But like that is where you really get get these emotions with her. So yeah, well, and you yeah you start you start planting these seeds for Gamora and Nebula in this movie in a way that really pays off down the road, but it doesn't feel like it's taking too long to pay off. Right. Um, like, I, like, I'm not going to say anything about Guardians 2 or Infinity War, but it's a natural build. It's a natural progression that feels good. Yeah. Um, and those seeds are, like I said, dropped very early in this movie. So, I, I, I love Guardians so much. It is such a good film. Um, I was so it's happy great. to be able to rewatch it. It's such a good standalone film. I think Ronan is, like, one of the dumbest villains, like he, he's like really powerful and he stands up to Thanos and all. But like, yeah. anytime I saw him on the screen, I was just like, this dude, like he, I, I can't. I, I think it's think... and plus the end scene. I think makes me think of how like ridiculous he is too. Like when Peter's like dancing in front of him and he's just like, what are you doing? Like that... I feel like that just takes away from how badass he was. Yeah, so. no, I completely agree. And I think that's I said how like how much I love James Gunn's style and writing in this movie. The whole dance-off scene at the end is actually, like, my least favorite part of the movie. I feel like James Gunn went to James Gunn <laughs> with that, and I'm just yeah. like, I, I, it's my least favorite part in an otherwise, like, impeccable movie. For um, sure. But, no, I completely agree about Ronan. Uh, I think he had a lot of potential, and honestly, I think what would have been good for Ronan is if Captain Marvel had come out first, or if we had some context for the Kree Scrolls. Right. Uh, because that's his whole thing, is, like... He's a Kree zealot, and we're like, we know nothing about the Kree's beliefs. Absolutely exactly. nothing. He's That's just, just when mad. I was rewatching the film, I was like, it said like, uh, Kree, all this stuff about Kree and the Nova Corps and Xandar, and I'm just like, yeah. what's the history behind this? I don't know. Exactly. I don't feel like looking it up, but like, okay, I guess well, it's fine. Especially because like the the Nova Corps in this movie, and in general, they they usually are. They're essentially space cops. So mm-hmm. you have Ronan, who is just angry at the police, but claims it's a religion and it's like okay what's going on here like there's got to be something else and you can tell there's something else but it's never delved into yeah um it's brought up kind of in captain marvel i'm not gonna say anything else but i i feel like if we had some more context before ronan came on the scene it would have been better for him and he mm-hmm. actually would have been uh, one of the more memorable marvel villains instead of being actually like probably one of the worst because even in captain marvel when we see him again yeah. Uh, I still was like, I don't care about this guy. Well, and that's you the know? thing is like, I, I don't want to talk too much about Captain Marvel, but it like he did not need to be in that movie. It could have been no, literally yeah. anyone else. Um, it felt like he was put in there just to tie it to Guardians. Whereas I feel like if it was flip flopped and Captain Marvel came out first. It would have been foreshadowing Guardians, and it would have felt better. Felt like, better. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I. The soundtrack's incredible. Oh yeah, um, this is like. like the first one that had such a good soundtrack. I still yeah. like Black Panther soundtrack better because it's something yes. that like was new. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so many good classic fun songs. So oh, most definitely, and like it fits all the scenes so incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, it just does such a good job blending the soundtrack with the film. I think that's one of my favorite things about the film, besides like how beautiful the film is, the characters, yeah. like the fact that the music goes along really well. That's why like. None of the other um, parts that I was like, none of the other episodes that I did, I didn't mention anything about like the music really, except for maybe yeah. Iron Man. There was like a end scene where the music was really cool, but 
mm-hmm. you know, the music is a part of this movie. So. Yeah, no, it, it, it's tied into Quill's character, like, on a fundamental level. Yeah. Um, one thing else I want to mention, I mentioned those three scenes in particular that were, like, very James Gunny and, like, set the style. Um, going to this movie in theaters, that opening scene where Peter's young and is with his mom, um, that's an incredibly strong scene. Mm-hmm. Especially um, to start out with. Like, you are str- immediately, like, tied to this character. Exactly. And, like, the child actor is shockingly good mm-hmm. um, for what he's doing. He's he's portraying a lot of emotions there. Wait, um, wait, so when I rewatched this, is this the same child actor that was in It? Like, one of the friends? No. One of the main I kids? I, I'm not sure, honestly. I, I'm going to look it up, because when I rewatched it, I was like, this kid looks familiar, and I feel like he was in It. it he might be. I'm going to um, look it up. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, that, that opening scene is just so strong and so powerful. Um, and then to immediately have a foil of him dancing through the cave is it's whiplash, but like mm-hmm. in a really good way, because it's easy to, it would have been easy to have him be abducted by Yondu and then like get a couple scenes of him growing up in like a montage kind of way while the credits rolled and then kind of start the movie. But I'm glad they didn't do the whole montage thing. Like, and let's also, just get like, right to it. The fact that when the movie starts, we're like, oh my god, I feel for this kid, this is so sad. And then mm-hmm. 26 years later, we see this this guy, like, dancing this thing. So we, we know somewhere between that, he is turned into this person, he's gonna be a little bit more fun, there's gonna be a backstory yeah. that we're gonna hear about, like, eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, IMDB, I was right. Uh, he nice. plays Stanley in... Um, it. So I don't it. know if you've seen it. I have. Movie. I saw it once. I loved it. I can't wait for the second one. He's the one that sees like the face in the picture. <sighs> I don't remember I'm it well enough. Sure. I've only seen, I've it, only once. seen it. Yeah, I've only seen it once too. But that's all I remember. Uh, I just okay. I recognize that that kid's face. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, um. So this is the first movie where one we see Thanos like in his entirety and not just his face. Right. Um. Because we see his face his face in the mid credit scene of. Avengers, um, but yeah, this is the first time we see like Thanos in full like armor, full body, just this massive tank of a person, um, or thing, whatever you want to call him, Titan. Um, and this is also the first time we really get an explanation for the Infinity Stones, and I yes. feel like this movie, for being so disconnected from the MCU, is one of the most interesting, most important, parts. yeah, too, because it's the first time like we've seen the Tesseract. We've seen we, what it can do. We had seen the ether at this point, too. Yeah, but we didn't know. We, I mean, you know, if you read the comics, you know what they were. But most people didn't yeah, exactly. put together until you see this. And he explains what the Infinity Stones are. And throughout the the recap, I didn't say Power Stone until the end because they mm-hmm. never specifically call it the Power Stone in the movie. No, they don't. But we know from watching like Infinity War and getting through that the Purple Stone is the Power Stone. It's the yeah. They swap the colors. Yeah. Um, from the comics, but this movie like brings the MCU all together in a way, um, at least early on in a post Avengers kind of way. And it, they had teased these infinity stones, but by making them such a central part of this movie, they really, this was them saying, we're committing to this. Like this is a saga. Now we are going to mm-hmm. deal with these infinity stones. This isn't just a MacGuffin every once in a while in a movie like this is going to be a thing we've now introduced half the infinity stones i'm pretty sure this movie was the one where everybody was like oh shit like now i know for sure they're 
they're dragging this thing along for a reason. Like, I think yep. everybody at this point, after seeing Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, uh, I don't know if it was before or after, but there was a Disney, um, conference they do every year where they announce the yeah, future films. D20. Yeah. And I remembered seeing, like, uh, what was it that I think they announced Doctor Strange and Ant Man. Yeah. Like, they announced a bunch of films and everybody was like, Oh shit. Like we are yeah. built we know now that there's gonna be something Thanos we knew Thanos was gonna keep appearing after he yeah. showed up at the end of uh Avengers, but I don't think anybody realized how long it would be, how much world building they would have, and like mm-hmm. how much like endgame is such a phenomenon. Like the yeah. fact that people had to wait in queues to buy tickets the first day mm-hmm. it went out, like this is insane. And I don't know if anybody knew after seeing Guardians of the Galaxy, how big this was going to be, but I think we all had an idea. Like we knew it was coming, but we didn't realize how how big it was going to be. You know, I th- I think if anything, Guardians gave us an indicator that how mm-hmm. how big it was going to be. Um, especially with how good the box office numbers were for, for Guardian was for Guardians. Mm-hmm. Like that movie did way better than anyone was expecting, and it was critically acclaimed too. Um, which also along with cementing the Infinity Stones as part of this movie or the series and like this is what the primary focus was going to be this also showed that kevin feige and marvel studios knew how to make a movie out of just about anything right Um, because like i didn't know who the i didn't know who the guardians of the galaxy were until this movie was announced and i went out and i got comics and i was like yep i'm interested in this and like read up all about rocket raccoon and i was Mm -hmm. so ready for this film because i was like these characters are are like cool they're quirky like what what's up with this but they mm-hmm. made this film so lovable and enjoyable uh, yeah very lovable enjoyable incredibly like first timer friendly mm-hmm. um there was easter eggs for fans with um like cosmo the dog yep, uh, yep. and different stuff in the collectors like there's clearly like james gunn says it's not beta ray bill in the collectors um place whatever you want to call it but like it's one of his species <laughs> and like he's in the back there which is a huge deal um so there was enough throwbacks to comic book fans but like it was not overwhelming and none of the marvel movies have been no, overwhelming I think, but with as I think guardians characters was like my fate i mean was my mom's like i made my mom watch guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. and i think she still loves the movie and i don't know if she's seen any other marvel film yeah, and so you almost, you almost don't have to yeah and, like they tease stuff that happens in guardians 2 at the end of the first yeah one. about his but, dad like, yeah yeah but like it doesn't feel like required like it's such a complete story um, in itself, and it gives you the option to expand if you want, which I think is, once again, really good writing um, to get all of this crammed into a you know, two-hour and 20-minute movie. Yeah. But, yeah, I... I have a weird question for you. What up? Do you, do you care at all about Howard the Duck? No. Yeah, I didn't... I, <laughs> it's probably my least favorite end credit scene because I look forward to... Mm-hmm. At the end of the films, to be some kind of teaser for the next film, but if there's mm-hmm. not going to be a teaser, make it something like 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 at the end of um the end of Iron Man three, it's there's not a teaser for the next movie, but we see like Tony is talking to uh talking to Banner the whole time as like a therapist, and then you're like mm-hmm. oh haha funny, and like I get a lot of people might know who Howard the Duck is, but like I didn't, and I was like what the fuck is this like is this yeah. important? And it wasn't. I know it was just like a little fun Easter egg, but I was like. I don't give a shit about this. Well, I want to see some more Thanos stuff. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and I, I feel like them not doing Thanos was actually probably a smart move because he was so involved with the actual movie itself. 
Um, but like Howard the Duck, you know, was a movie in the eighties, late late eighties, I think. Um, so I think it was for people like it was more of a throwback for people older than us, um, yeah. and and comic book fans. But um, I think we're just we just weren't the demographic for it. No, because um, I know people. Me. Yeah, because I know people who weren't comic book fans who were like, "Oh, Howard the Duck was in it," because they remember the movie um, from forever ago. So they were excited and like that. That's cool that like yeah, I it's guess expand- it's fair. But for me, but, this is this is my podcast. And no, I'm pissed. I don't. Oh no, I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I totally agree with you. Like, I totally get it. I I'm on board with you. But I'm just saying, like, it is kind of cool for those people too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't give it. Like, I saw the I rewatched Guardians last night, and I saw the Howard the Duck scene, and like at that point, I was like, I, I checked out. Like, I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's like we don't we don't need this. But God, I love this movie. It's so, so much. good. There's so many fun jokes and like the characters. So I love Bradley Cooper as Rocket. Like. Mm-hmm. He does such a good job. I was worried about him at first because, like, I've re- I read com- my Guardians comics before before the movie came out, and I was like, oh, like I'm really excited about the Cockney accent, blah 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 blah. Like that's part of his character and like what's like kind of fun about him. And they were re- they did not show off any of Rocket's dialogue in any of the trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, until I think the very end, and he doesn't have a Cockney accent. I was like, oh, that that kind of sucks. Like, I'm not surprised because it's Bradley Cooper, and like Cockney, Cockney accent to really pull off isn't easy. And then watching the movie, I was like, nope, that's fine. I'm, nope, I'm it's totally. fine. So yeah. like to me, Bradley Cooper is now the voice of Rocket. Like, I don't yeah. imagine Rocket with a Cockney accent anymore. I yeah. never knew that. I never knew that he had that accent. So yes, because I'm just like, it's Bradley Cooper. It's fine. <laughs> exactly, and like it's it's funny because Rocket's pretty a pretty crude character. Yeah. Um, the Cockney accent in the comics makes it almost worse uh, <laughs> because Cockney is just such a um, aggressive slang right. that like him with his like really crude comments, it just it just it goes over the top. And it's great. And I I know we kind of touch on this, but I like how we left off with uh, Nebula and Gamora. Um, mm-hmm. Because that kind of shadows into the next film where we're going to learn a lot more about their relationship yes which ha- like goes even further in infinity war and yep. if you've seen you know like i said we're not going to spoil anything or talk about it but if you've seen any trailers you know that it's gonna keep coming up in yeah, they, endgame and well, i'm very excited for that yeah um, that, that's gonna come to a head and i'm really excited about it i'm also really excited about endgame and nebula um because of nebula's original role in the infinity war comics right yeah um, so is I'm that gonna be to part see. of your is that gonna be part of your theories when we get there uh it might be yeah okay well we'll think about it when we get there yeah we'll ponder <laughs> um so yeah uh it's a great movie it has yes. a little bit of everything i want to know what your top three marvel movies are and if guardians okay. of the galaxy makes it up there but if it okay. if it doesn't uh tell me where where you would put it i feel like anybody listening that has listened to me talk about guardians of the galaxy for the last 30 minutes uh i can probably <laughs> assume that it's up there yeah i um, did so yeah um i i have i actually have the entire series ranked i did this right after i saw captain marvel um and i feel like my number one is cheating because <laughs> for me i am a sucker for conclusions and wrap-ups and things accumulating mm-hmm. so infinity war is my number one okay. um because i feel like 
I think that's an opposite. I think that's the opposite of a wrap up because there's two movies. There's it's a two parter. I feel like it leaves I, you hanging. Well, and and we've briefly had this conversation. We didn't have it nearly enough at PAX, but I also like Harry Potter seven and eight the most out of the entire series. Ugh. So I know, I know. Because oh, I we're like, gonna fight about this. I forgot about yeah, this, and I, I wanted totally to fight for- you about it, and I didn't get to. I literally forgot until the next day when I was laying in the hotel room watching Harry Potter. If anybody knows me personally, I haven't brought this up in any podcast or anything, but I am a huge, huge Harry Potter nerd. I love Harry Potter. And yeah. when you told me this, this news, I think the Deathly Hallows were the worst films in the series. Not, you know, the the style of them were really great, but you know, I read all the books. I'm that person that's going to be like, oh, the books are better. Yeah. Not only were they are. the books better, but they left out the most important stuff. Okay, this is not a Harry Potter podcast. I'm not going to nope. get to it. It's fine. But I just want y'all to know, <laughs> yeah. don't agree with Andrew on that on that take. <laughs> uh, you can if you want. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, I think Infinity War, yeah, it is a two-parter. But I think, um, having not seen Endgame yet, obviously, it does such a good job of, I keep using the phrase ensemble movie, but like Avengers Infinity War is the ensemble movie to end ensemble movies. Right. Um, because even more so than Endgame, because because of where we are at the end of Infinity War, mm-hmm. there's not going to be as many people in Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for as long. So Infinity War does such a good job of balancing all these stories in a really great way and feeling realistic. Oh, not realistic, but like it flows. It makes sense. It follows a path that you can be like, okay, yeah, I get that. Instead of just slamming all these people into each other and mm-hmm. being like, they're here now, you know? For sure. Uh, so yeah, Infinity War is my number one. Guardians of the Galaxy is actually my number two. Nice. Um, if we don't count Infinity War, because like I said, like, I feel like it kind of like it's cheating. It's uh, not Guardians cheating. A lot of people have put um, Infinity War as their number one, so it's not cheating. So Okay. So yeah, Guardians is number two, and number three is Black Panther. Great. Black Panther is awesome. Black Panther is the best superhero origin movie we have had. Oh, for sure. And I will fight anyone that says Iron Man <laughs> 1. You won't fight anybody. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. I I don't love origin stories. I say mm-hmm. this almost every episode. So most of them end up really low on my list. I love the ensemble yep. movies as well. So I'm with mm-hmm. you there. Something about putting a group of superheroes together and seeing them all work together is so great. That's why I love mm-hmm. Avengers so much, because it's, like, the first one to do it. Yep. But Black Panther is so good. It's so, like, so good. I don't want anybody rolling into my into my mentions being like, well, Guardians of the Galaxy is an, uh, an origin movie. No, it's not. <laughs> it is and it isn't. You know what I mean by origin movie. Like... We're talking about people getting their powers and figuring it out. Like, these people have their powers. They're just learning how to work as a team. It's not an origin movie. Calm down. Just want to Defend yourself. Yeah. <laughs> don't, go, don't, don't, don't at me. Don't come for him. Um, yeah. But that's it. That's a good, good top three. Um, so for me, as usual, I rate them as we go along. So mm-hmm. this is episode 10. So we're going to have 10 numbers on the list. So as of this episode and today, we have number one, the Avengers. Number two, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Number three, Winter Soldier. Number four, Captain America. Number five, Iron Man. Number six, Thor. Number seven, Incredible Hulk. Number eight, Iron Man three. Number nine, Iron Man two. 
and 10, Thor 2. Thor the Dark World. Sorry. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that that's that's the list. That's how we have it now. I like I, I agree with a lot of it. Um, I know that like cause I have my whole my whole thing ringed out. I know mine is incredibly controversial. <laughs> I um I posted on Twitter right after Captain Marvel, and I had a lot of people be like, "What are you?" I doing? cannot wait to go find that. Uh, Can you pin that to your? I'm not uh, gonna Twitter. Pin it, pin it yeah, so but, that way when I when I say you know everybody, if you like Andrew, right? Okay. If you do fine. like talking to him, you can follow his Twitter and go find find this controversial tweet that I want to see. <laughs> I will pin it right now, and I'm gonna yes. switch it. in a few weeks. I'm gonna switch it back to what it is right now. But <laughs> so I will go find it. If you do like listening from Andrew, uh, follow him on Twitter. It's at Cogs the Well. It's mm-hmm. C-O-G-S-T-H-E-W-E-L-L. Cogs the Well. Um, and also you could follow your geeky gal pal uh, because they are posting some great content and doing some great things over there. Uh, so follow them at Y-O-U-R-G-E-E-K-Y-G-A-L-P-A-L. Your geeky gal pal. And follow us. Follow me on Twitter for the updates for the episodes. Uh, so we're at VSnapMCU. Simple and easy. Follow us on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see your list and your hot takes. It, it is literally pinned right now. I just finished. <laughs> Perfect. So, All right. Roll into there. Light me on fire. I don't care. I'm excited. I will I will definitely light you on fire. I, I Well, before I let you on fire for that, I'm going to light you on fire about Harry Potter. We're going to get into it. It's fine. That's fine. Um, You have my number now, so just text me. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Thank you, Andrew, by the way, for coming out and hanging out. Thank you. It's been a minute since I've been on a podcast. Uh, It's probably been about a month or so. I love doing them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, plus getting the chance to talk about Guardians, like, hell yeah. Like, let's go. Let's do it. No one needs to thank me for doing this. Like, (laughs) the, the honor and pleasure is all mine. Well, I'm still going to thank you because it's been fun. This is such a great yes. movie. Um, so, you yeah. know, if you've listened before, you know, we are about to get into Endgame territory. So oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I thought we were yeah. just going to end it. <laughs> no, it's not over. Uh, yeah. We're talking Endgame. So there's going to be maybe a, po- a possible spoiler. So if you don't want to be spoiled, uh, log off now and check us out on the next episode. Uh, yeah. Episode 11, which is going to be about Avengers Age of Ultron. I forgot um, that was right after this. That's right weird. after, right? So... We're moving through phase two really fast because we have Age of Ultron and then Ant Man and then we start phase three with Civil War. So we're moving through. That's it. wild. I know. I feel like the last like phase two and phase three went by so fast. So yeah, I'm excited. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, let's let's get in some into some endgame theories. Uh, you mentioned before something about Gamora and. I mean, not Gamora, uh, Nebula. Yeah. So for anybody listening who doesn't know about the comics and what happens, I sort of know. Uh, why don't you tell us that theory? It's been a couple of years since I've read Infinity or Infinity Gauntlet, because uh, Infinity War is actually a completely different comic. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially what happens after Thanos does the snap is the remaining Avengers kind of rally and go and attack him again. And I don't remember exactly how it happens, but essentially Gamora ends up getting the gauntlet off of Thanos' hands, and she's like, hell no. Or no, sorry, Nebula, not Gamora. Um, I know, I keep like, saying Gamora. <laughs> and, like, stops, like, kills Thanos and brings everyone back. Um, and so, like, this B-list, or, like, honestly, like, D-list character, uh, who's also related to Thanos, comes out of nowhere and saves the day. 
That would be um, so fun if they did it that way. I feel like I would appreciate it, but I feel like people would be pissed. Does she go bad in the comics, though? Like, I feel like when she takes the Infinity Stone, she, like, does she not, like, go bad with it? Or does she just destroy it? Like, she brings everybody back. I don't, I honestly don't remember. Um, Because I've read, I've read Infinity Gauntlet. I haven't read Infinity War or Infinity Watch. Mm-hmm. Um, So, like, my knowledge is kind of half-baked on that. Um, I have both of the other two. I just haven't sat on Reddit because they're 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 fairly meaty. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, do you uh, have like besides that? Besides me bringing that up from before, did mm-hmm. you um come prepared with any theories or anything that you wanted to talk about? I think I'm gonna be the maybe one of the outliers when I as far as your guests coming on here. I don't have a ton of theories because mm-hmm. I honestly think we don't have a lot to work with. Really? Um, the trailers that we've seen. I believe that 95% of the content we've seen is not in the movie. I think the same thing. I think they're just like lying to us and they're just wanting us to guess. And then Mm -hmm. something about those quantum realm suits just didn't look right to me. Like everybody was like, everybody's like, oh, they look so cool. And I get it. Like, I know obviously they wouldn't have brought up the quantum realm in the end of Mm -hmm. Ant-Man and the Wasp if it wasn't going to come into play. But something about those suits looked very artificial and CGI and weird, and I don't feel like they're real. So I, I'm sticking with that. I think the quantum well, I, like I agree with you. I think the quantum realm is going to play some sort of role. I think it has to at this point. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a big. I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a tool or a device rather than a setting. If that makes sense. That does make sense. Uh, so, like, are we going to trap Thanos in the in the quantum realm? Let's do it. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm. I was thinking, like, I know this. Like, this leaked back forever ago, but they were shooting in the original Avengers outfits. Yeah, which sucks that that got leaked because that would have been such a cool reveal. But obviously, that's happening. Like, that is 100 percent in the movie somehow, some way. We're flashback. going back to Avengers, whether it be a flashback or they go back to the past. You know, that's yeah. happening. Yeah, so I think that uh, the the most logical thing for the quantum realm is to serve as that device to get them back there. Um, however, I don't like the idea of everyone going back. Um, I think mm-hmm. it is going to be the core Avengers. I think this is going to really this movie is going to focus on the the original Avengers, which I isn't like a hot take. Everyone kind of is, I think, kind of leaning towards that um, because I think this is the end of their story. Yeah. Um, whether they die or they retire or whatever happens to most of the core Avengers, like they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're gonna. Ch- it's gonna be a changing of the guard. So I think this needs to kind of bookend their story. Um, and people like Rocket and Nebula and uh, Ant Man are going to be ancillary characters to do that. Um, one thing I'm interested in is why Rocket, because from a writing and storytelling perspective. There needs to be a reason the people who are the, the the people who are alive are alive. Yeah, they're not going to have them as just filler, even though I wonder. My... So I and as you're talking, this is making me think because there was that theory. Like as soon as the movie ended, everybody was like, "Oh, I noticed that it was the main Avengers that survived. Like they're going to sacrifice themselves for everybody else." And I wonder now mm-hmm. that you're saying this, if all the heroes who came out will sacrifice themselves and like. This ties back into another episode I did where I said that I wouldn't mind if Ant-Man died and the Wasp took up, like, the main role. Um, Mm -hmm. So that could facilitate for that, too. But I don't know. I don't want to see Rocket 
die, but I mean, he does I, mention in this movie he doesn't have that long of a lifespan, so. I don't think we're going to see the end of Rocket. Um, I think that, I, I honestly wouldn't be, I would be okay with Ant-Man dying as well, because um, as far as, like, on the tier list of important Avengers, and in the MCU, not in the comics, because Ant-Man's a way bigger deal in the comics, mm-hmm. um, he's never had the traction as far right. as, like, popularity that the other all literally all the other Avengers have had, which sucks because um, his his first movie is really fun. I enjoy the first Ant Man. Oh, I love the first. And the second Ant-Man. one's the sec- like all right. It's just it's doesn't, fine. It's fine. It's it's a good yeah. movie, but it's not like up there. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those movies where it's like, oh, it's okay, but there's something really important in it, and mm-hmm. then it's like that's all it serves for, you know? Yeah. I my other thing with the quantum realm and Ant Man and the traveling is maybe not a time thing. But I, I, and I've been a firm believer of this theory since uh, Infinity War came out. I talked about it on the OK Beast Infinity War spoiler cast. Gamora is in the Soul Stone. She's not dead. Yeah, she's there. Yeah. She's 100% in there. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they found that out and tunneled into the Soul, the soul Realm okay. to get her, to pull her out. Um, but, I don't so... know to what end or why they would do it, but I, would, I think that's another use that they could do for the Quantum Realm. So I'm really bad at, I have a, <laughs> I have a really bad memory. So I might have mentioned this on a podcast, but I might have just been talking to somebody about it in person. But mm-hmm. there is a really cool scene, um, in the, uh, at the end of, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, where we mm-hmm. see, uh, Ant-Man go into the quantum realm. They're standing outside. The snap happens. They disappear and he's like, hey guys, and you know, they're snapped, so he's not there. There's a, like, right, you see, right when the snap happens, around him in the quantum realm, we see a bunch of, like, glowing lights right when that happens. And, like, what if, like, all, like, this, the quantum realm is connected to the stones or something? And, like, all these souls are trapped in the quantum realm now. You were, I think you were talking to me about that at PAX. Maybe it was you. I, I, don't, I couldn't remember yeah, if I was talking I think, on a podcast or... I think we were drinking and we were talking about that. <laughs> of course we were drinking. It's fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, no, I, I, I've only seen Ant-Man and the Wasp once, and that's a really minute detail to notice, so I'm just 100% taking your word on it. Um, but it, I think that the Quantum Realm tying to the Infinity Stones makes sense because of like what we, little we know about the Infinity Stones is we know that there are an essence of nature essentially that were created mm-hmm. and before they existed there was just nothing and that's kind of what the quantum realm kind of that is, is exactly is, what the quantum realms is it's in but it's nothing it's in between it's the space in between yes so i think that that makes sense that the quantum realm almost acts as like the the life force connecting the infinity stones in a way um so and i think that's another good justification for ant-man sacrificing himself is if he's the only one that can really manipulate the quantum realm on any sort of meaningful level, he might have to do something that he's not super stoked about, but he knows needs to happen. Um, it's so much. It is. And I, like I said, I, I'm a firm believer that a lot of the things we've seen so far aren't involved. Because when the Russos first started putting out trailers, and people were like, well, what about spoilers? But like, everything you see in the trailers is in the first, like, 15 or 20 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shit in those trailers, and those scenes do like do not connect enough to do tw- to be, all be in twenty minutes. Like you can make almost a twenty minute cut of all those trailers already. Well, that's so, like, the thing is that I think 
this movie's gonna be three hours. We've seen a lot yeah. in the trailers of like Tony being in space, yeah. the Avengers meeting up, mm-hmm. and then Captain like, Marvel meeting Thor. The, the quantum I realm feel like suits. that could all happen really fast. Maybe not the quantum realm thing, because again, I don't believe that's real. But mm-hmm. what, like, I really truly feel like we're gonna start the film and see Tony up in space doing his little call, and mm-hmm. the Avengers are like seeing their call with Ant Man, being like, "When was this?" and then. Mm-hmm. Somehow we're going to get Tony back. Everybody's going to meet up. And that's only going to be the first 30 minutes of the film. Because obviously I, uh, so much needs to happen that they can't waste their time on how mm-hmm. to get everybody back together. It's going to be a Game of I, Thrones thing where they just do a speed. Like they're like, all right, yeah, we're all together now. I, I actually do have a theory on how Tony gets back and Nebula. Let me hear it's it. Captain, it's Captain Marvel. She gets, she gets told to come back to Earth. And she's cruising in our solar system, and Tony's right outside Titan, which is, in the big scheme of the universe, not that far from us. Mm-mm. She is flying by and either sees the ship or senses, like, an energy signature where it should be. What I, I don't know how... We don't know really a ton about Captain Marvel's powers. Um, and she sees him, and she picks him up. Brings That'd him be home. cool. I'd be a, I, so, I could see that happening. That'd be a really cool scene to, like, connect. Yeah, I mean, because... Here's the thing. The... Earth Avengers have no idea that Tony and Nebula are alive. No, like zero. Yeah. So they they have no reason to send out like anyone to go to Titan to go look for him. So one of two things needs to happen: Tony needs to come back on his own uh, by himself without any assistance. Tony and Nebula on a ship that clearly isn't working, or somebody needs to already be there to bring him home. And right, I was also thinking to, um. You're on this podcast, so and you said you saw a picture of something online. Can, can I can I talk about something that I saw online a while ago? For sure. I saw a picture of Gwyneth Paltrow um, wearing some type of suit that looked kind cool. of like an Iron Man suit. The and I know, armor, yeah. yes, in the comics, like she turns into a rescue, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And I could be lying, but isn't there part of the trailer when like Tony says like nobody's gonna rescue me like something like he says the word rescue i was thinking how cool would it be if gwyneth paltrow is like all right bitch like i'm here like i'm here to save your ass like like i'm here to save your ass again i and i think i think that's i think that is also a very plausible um thing but i i don't i don't trust the russos as far as i can throw them and i know that when they released that first trailer where tony was like i need like nobody's gonna rescue me i feel like that choice of words was very intentional Okay, so you think uh, they're doing that to throw me off? I, I do. I honestly, I do. I do. I think they're doing because I, I liked your off. idea better. I would love to see this scene of Captain Marvel flying through and just like looking to the right or something and seeing the ship yeah. and being like, "Well, the fuck is that?" You know. So here, here's my other thing too: is the reunion between Cap and Tony was teased all through Infinity War. Mm-hmm. That moment needs to be strong and needs to be powerful in Endgame. They spoiled. They already have... showed it in the trailer, which made me mad. Well, they show that they're together, but they haven't shown that specific moment where they see each other for the first time and have to come to terms with each other. I wish um, I still wish they wouldn't have shown it in the trailer because as like as much as I like to go and spoil myself on the internet, that's yeah. something it's one of those scenes that I just like I didn't want to see Cap and Tony in the same room together until it happened on screen. And that's and that's totally fair. But I think that that moment needs to be special. Mm-hmm. Um, especially considering what happened at the end of Infinity War where everyone's dead. Like, they don't know each other, like, the other one's alive. Mm-hmm. They have not talked in years, and Steve, or Iron Man, was so close to calling him multiple times. On his little 
flip on phone his that he flip kept phone. charged. Oh, yep. My heart. So, imagine this. Tony's just flown out in space with Nebula. Like, he's totally okay with... He, like At this point, he's accepted he's gonna die. Captain Marvel shows up, takes him back to Earth. She's already headed towards the, the pager. She lands, walks in, and kind of, like, does, like, an introduction thing. And then, a few minutes later, Tony walks in. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. Don't like, do this. <laughs> they're not expecting Tony. No. They're not... They're, they just had somebody show up that they have no idea who this person is, why they're tied to Fury, who is essentially the founder of the Avengers, if you think about it, based on, like, yeah. the naming from Captain Marvel. Yeah. And was the reason for the Avengers Initiative. And then Tony, the first recruit for the Avengers Initiative, walks in. Y'all, stop. I'm dead. Like, I'm going to cry is- so much in this film, and, like, you say these things, and I'm just, like, envisioning it, and I'm like, I am not ready. Oh, I'm going like, to cry so it, much. That is the most, like, MCU shit I can it think is. of. It is. Like, to pull on our hearts, like, right in the beginning, like we just said with Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Like, yep. right in the fr- Like, they're going to do this yep. really early. I know they are. Mm. Because they, have, they to, have to. They have to. We need the, like the said, rest of the movie to, like, yeah. go back in time or whatever else they're going to they, do. They, they've got three hours and two minutes, but they do not have enough time to screw around. No. Like, this movie needs to be fleshed out and feel full and feel well-paced. And to do that, they need to get their shit in gear quickly. Um, so I, I'm betting within the first 25 minutes, 20, 25 minutes, we have a cap. Iron do you want to do a, a timer on it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we'll do that. We'll do, let's, you want to put, like, money on it? Like, ten, ten bucks? I'll do ten bucks, yeah. Let's do ten bucks. If it's okay. before, if it's, like, 25.01, yep. that's over. So 25 yep. or lower, cap reunion. Cap and uh, Tony. And that's on you. And if it goes yep. over, I win. Yep. Like and that? I will, oh, so the timer starts as soon as the Marvel Studio logo, lo- logo fades out. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, uh, like remember that. this. Uh, anybody who's listening, I will remember this. Andrew will remember yep. this. It's gonna be great. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna we have a bet going now. So yep. first bet go. of the podcast. So there you go. Ten episodes in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so excited but for Endgame. I I haven't really thought much beyond the beginning of Endgame. Um, I really haven't. I've just been one. I've been really busy with just life and work and like packs just happened and everything. Um, but. I haven't really let myself. Um, I went into Infinity War expecting the snap. I kind mm-hmm. of assumed that's how it was going to end. Obviously, we didn't know who's going to be snapped. But Infinity War also had a lot more pieces in place before the launch, so it felt like it was easier. This um, is like nothing. Like they yeah have left us ha- with Infinity War. The only two movies that have come out since are prequels to Infinity War. So it's like yeah. they don't have anything. To indicate us what's going to happen. Has there, has there been two? It's just Captain Marvel, right? Captain Marvel and Ant-Man and the Wasp came out after. Oh, I, for, I forgot about Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's easily <laughs> forgettable. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, uh, I like I said, I haven't really let myself think about it. And, like, I'm happy that way. Yeah. Um, this And you mentioned this earlier, like, what Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios have built over the last... 10 11 11 years 11 years yeah is incredible mm-hmm. this is the first of its kind um i mean you have obviously like james bond has like close to 30 movies at this point but like not like this no it doesn't um, have the same fan base it doesn't have the same 
like build up. It, like I mean, uh, I mean, I'm not saying they don't have a fan base. Like that's what I'm saying. I'm just yeah, saying I mean, like this is. I have never in my life had to wait in a queue to buy movie like movie tickets. Never yeah, no, in my this, life. This is this the MCU as the Infinity Saga. I don't know what's going to happen post Endgame, and I honestly I don't know how much I'm going to care post Endgame. Um, but we'll see. But the Infinity Saga has mm-hmm. changed the way movies work, and I say that as somebody yeah as a fan of the MCU. But even somebody who isn't MCU is just a casual movie fan. You have to admit that this changed the entertainment industry. Oh yeah, we are going to feel the wakes of this for a very long time. The fact are that try. they are like, we're changing things, and a three-hour movie is not too long. Like we're changing yeah. things. Three hours is the right yeah. amount, and we're not going to cut it down just to do that like we're gonna sit make you sit through that movie and take it all in like i love that well think about think about this too in the last five years i can think of two cinematic universes that have no sorry three cinematic universes that have started because and like and have those mcu vibes you have dc's extended universe which tried to do the same thing mm-hmm. you have the dark universe which was like all the monster movies that like that failed as soon as the mummy came out <laughs> but it was going to do the same thing it was going to be all these build-up movies and then be like a, a huge tie-in movie and then you have the godzilla movies which you had godzilla you had king art kong skull island and now you have the new godzilla coming out mm-hmm. and then they also teased other stuff that didn't happen before this no you can you can see already the impact that this series is or this this, this yeah the series is having on movies and how in the entertainment industry we are living in a time where Big, long-running franchises in both TV and movie are doing insanely well. And speaking of TV, like, look at the TV series, like, on the Netflix series. Were they all amazing? No, they all had their problems. But those were also technically in the same universe. Right. We've never had that before. Um, we, I like, have a question. Was that? Harry Potter the first film series, like, you know, slash book series to take a movie and do like a part two in the sense of like this because like i know yes. that there's like you know there's a lot of there's a lot of part twos in movies but i feel like harry potter was the first one that i remember that like took something and was like no we have to split it up into two films yeah no it definitely was because i mean i remember when they announced twilight breaking dawn was going to be two parts i was like oh just copying harry potter and then mocking jay did too it's like oh it's just harry potter mm-hmm. um, yeah. i think that Infinity, Avengers Endgame and Infinity War kind of had the uh, a little bit more positive rep on it because they're not just calling it part two. Right. Um, but I mean, it is essentially the same. So, yeah, but Harry Potter was the first one I can think of. I can't think of another one because you have to remember, like, long-running series like that, eight movies, that didn't happen. No. Uh, once again, you had stuff like, you have, like, James Bond, and, I mean, you had Indiana Jones, which was three, technically four movies later on. Um, you have Star Wars, which once again, like, still just hit its eighth movie not too long ago, um, and has been going since the seventies. Like, you didn't have that kind of turnaround. Um, so yeah, Harry Potter is another great example of uh, of a series that changed the entertainment industry. Yeah, for sure. And we got to experience both of those back to back as the prime de- demographic. Like, how incredible is that? It's incredible. I'm. So. I love. I love the things that I'm a fan of. 
I love being I a fan of all these love, nerdy things that are great. I love and, loving things. <laughs> I love lamp. Um, <laughs> um, Andrew, it's it's been it's been great. It's it has been it's been awesome. I want to talk about Endgame forever, but I cannot wait to <laughs> talk to you about it as soon as we're done seeing it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to see it on the night of because I might be traveling for work. Well, I am. I'm seeing it the night hard. of. I will text you. I'll I'll text you after the movie, but I'm gonna do the timer and I'm gonna text you and I'm gonna be like, "Give me ten dollars, bitch." That's what I'm gonna yeah. do. But or maybe not. Maybe I'll just like send you a Venmo. You'll see. There you go. Yeah, um, do that. Yeah. It's a little. You know what this is? This is a little callback to Avengers when Steve and uh, Fury make a ten dollar bet that he cannot be shocked. So we're doing a little a little callback. That's what we're doing. There you go. That's um, perfect. It is perfect. So yeah. Um. Thank you, Andrew, again, for hanging out, talking all this fun stuff with me. Hell yeah. We could talk about it forever. Yeah. No, I love talk. I love talking shop. Yeah. So, so so yeah, that's going to wrap episode 10. So thank you guys for listening again. If you liked this, go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter for updates on episodes. It is the snap MCU. Follow Andrew on Twitter at cogs the well c-o-g-s-t-h-e-w-e-l-l go look at his pin tweet let's all roast him on his choices um (laughs) no be nice i will come for you i will i will snap if if anybody's mean but i see what you did there (laughs) you did uh (laughs) so so yeah thanks y'all for hanging out and for listening check out the next episode episode 11 um we're gonna be talking about avengers age of ultron it's going to be really fun. Uh, so, yeah, I will see y'all next time. Bye.